Welcome to Poets and Writers, WEHC 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. Have a wonderful program for you today. We have Delilah O'Haines, and she's over in West Virginia today. Delilah, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you, Henry? I'm doing great. Whereabouts are, whereabouts are you located? I am in Athens, West Virginia at Concord University. Well, you're a fine poet, and I'm so happy to have you on today. And as we like to ask on this poet, uh, on this program, where are you from? I'm originally from Dickinson County, Virginia, a little place called Clintwood, way back in the hills. Way back in the hills. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, talk a little bit about your growing up way back in the hills there. You know, around the mountains here, when we ask you where you're from, you know, we really want to know more than just location. Right. Oh, uh, Dickinson County is the baby county uh, of Virginia, and Clintwood uh, is uh, so far back, uh, you have to leave meaning to go there. You can't just uh, pass by. Uh, it's a coal mining area, south of Virginia, uh, on the border of Kentucky. All right. So you grew up in coal mining country. Do you remember? Yes. Oh, oh yes. And um, well, now we I love your work, and uh, the folks out there listening to us today here, and we're coming to you as I said from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. We uh, we we love the poetry of this region, and we've had um, we've had poems about the coal mines. But I I know I've heard you read a number of times. So, what? Let me ask you. And one back. Do you have a person who influenced you? How'd you get started in writing? And do you remember the first thing you ever wrote? Well, I've been trying to, to remember. Uh, my mother was a songwriter. She actually um, got some of her songs on record. And uh, she homeschooled uh, my older sister because we lived, at that time, we lived so far back in the boonies. I was three years old, and my sister was uh, older than I was, but she couldn't go to school because it was so far. To, she would have had to start at 4 in the morning to walk to the school bus. So mom homeschooled her, and I learned to read when I was three. And mom had me writing uh, songs uh, at that time. Uh, I, in fact, everything that ever, anybody said, I turned it into a little rhyme. I was obsessed with it. And uh, mom said I went around the house singing little diddlies all the time. And uh, so she influenced me. She was the greatest influence. And... Uh, I got into poetry then, and I was trying to remember my first poem, first serious poem that I remember writing. It was a short note from songs to poetry. was a poem called Transience. It was about uh, the changing of the seasons and changing of life. Uh, I was in grade school. I don't know why I was thinking such deep thoughts at that time, but... um, that's the earliest one well, that I can you, remember. Do you, do you remember it? Do you remember anything about it? Very little. Mm-hmm. I've probably got it somewhere in my uh-huh. old writings because I keep everything, mm-hmm. but it probably sounds terrible because <laughs> I wrote it in grade school. Oh, I think it sounds great. I bet your uh, grade school teacher liked your poem. I wrote one. She didn't think much of it. Of course, it was only one or two lines. It was fly, fly, butterfly, up in the sky so high. But I... You know, she didn't give me much feedback on it. Now, you said your sister was homeschooled, and do you, did you live up in um, 
like a you know very um, you know I when I was growing up when I was very young we lived up Wildcat Creek. What was your area called? Well, um, I don't remember where we were when. Uh, my sister was not able to go to school. Mm-hmm. We moved after that. When I was two years old, they moved to Cutter Creek. So I grew up on Cutter Creek. It's 12 miles uh, uh, out into the wilderness beyond Plentwood, going toward Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so your mother... And a little holler. little holler. Yes, we know about those things around these mountains. Now, I want you to talk a little bit more about your mother's influence. Was she educated? Uh, well, very little. She had. She only went, got to go to school for uh, three years, but she continued her education on her own. She always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, she was pulled out of school because during the Depression, uh, Grandpa had so many kids. They had 18 kids, so the older ones during the Depression, especially the girls, were pulled out of school to help take care of the babies. And Grandpa did not work in the mines. He was a farmer and a moonshiner. Uh, so uh, Mom always regretted that she didn't have more more schooling, but she loved words, she loved reading, she loved writing. And, uh, okay, so she was a big influence, and then you went on to public schools after that. Well, now, um, right. we're, we're moving along here today on Poets and Writers, WEHC 90.7. Who influ- Who were some writers uh, who you like to read? Well, uh, I've, I've liked so many. Uh, I know uh, Faulkner and uh, some of the modern writers influenced me a lot. Uh, I started reading very early. I, I wanted to read everything I could get my hands on, and so I read books at home um, that Mom and Dad had, and Dad loved uh, to read uh, the Western stuff, Zane Gray. For sure. I started out probably reading Zane Gray and got into literature, and I remember uh, a 10th grade literature teacher who, and I can't remember her name, but uh, she got me very interested in literary writers, and I wanted to read everything I could get my hands on then, and uh, it's, it's it's hard for me to say who influenced me the most, but uh, people who've read my fiction, especially the novel I'm working on now, tell me that it reminds them a little bit of Faulkner's writing. Of course, I don't write long sentences like he did. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a—you know, I made a mistake here. Well, I don't know if this is a mistake. I think David Madden got a kick out of it. I interviewed him in Nashville the other day over in Asheville, North Carolina, and he had given me two of his books, and I had read some of both of them. We talked about it, but I didn't realize he was such a fan of Faulkner. And, you know, I have to say that, um, you know, I like Faulkner, and I appreciate him, but I don't. Um, I must not have the depth of writing to fully understand him. And I know Cormac McCarthy started off writing like him, and of course branched on his own. And I guess he's a good person to start out writing like. Now let's talk a little bit about your writing. You've been writing poetry and and writing novels for some time, and short stories. Talk a little bit about what you like to write about. Well. I write what I know. Uh, I teach uh, creative writing here. We've uh, started a creative writing program. I always tell my students to write what they know. And uh, uh, I find that uh, 
what I write goes over much better if it's something that's of my own heart. And so I write Appalachian literature, uh, most of my poetry and and uh, my fiction as well. And nonfiction is about uh, real life, real people. Uh, I like to preserve the memories of people and places and and all that. And uh, I guess that's um, well, now you what te- I write about most. You teach uh, creative writing there at uh, Con- is it Concord College or right? Is that right? Concord University. Concord University over in West Virginia, and we're listening to Delilah O'Haines today, and she's talking about her poetry and her books. Delilah, can you give us a sample? Read us a poem or two, and we'd be happy to hear you here in the beautiful studios of WEHC ninety point seven. Delilah O'Haines, do you have a poem for us today? I do. Uh, you said you liked uh, my poem, Russell, uh, which is the name of my grandfather. This poem is about my grandfather, and it was a way that I could uh, capture his personality in uh, a short poem. And uh, that's what I like to do the best, capture uh, what I see and, and people and memories and, and uh, places. And so I'll read you this poem, Russell. Made the best shine in Dickinson County. Sold it to judges and politicians to keep revenuers out of his woods. Cleared fields with cross-cut fowls to grow corn, bean, corn beans, taters, and naters on rocky, anemic hillsides. Hiked Kentucky mountains at midnight. Pistol in pocket to sell garden truck and white whiskey. I had a little extra on the side, climbing fire towers in timber season and sitting jury duty for hangings. All to feed 18 children and a wife. Didn't leave much behind. His pistol, over 310 descendants, and 102 years of hard living. No debt, no self-doubt, no dread of the hereafter. The best a man can do. I love that poem. I've heard you read it uh, in person. And the title of it is Russell. Is that right? Was that your grandfather's name? or? Yes, okay. Russell Haynes, yes. Russell Haynes. And so he, he knew a lot about life. And did you, did you ever go to his moonshine still, or did he keep you away from that? No, uh, but uh, uh, I guess his moonshine days were older by the time I came along, uh, but uh, he did. He was influential in my storytelling. I learned to tell stories uh, from him. Uh, that wherever he could get an audience, he told the stories of uh, the hangings and the killings and uh, um, the jury trials and things back in the day. And I loved to listen to his stories. And I often wish that I had taped his stories so that I could hear them again. But how many children? Uh, how many children did you say he had in that poem? Uh, did you say eighteen? Eighteen children. So he had a. Back then, you raised people to work, right? I mean, that's why you right. Him. Yeah. Right. He was a farmer, and of course, mostly what he grew was corn for his moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you? Yeah. Did your uh, grandmother and mother were they? Did they can and all the vegetables and everything raise their own, or how did that work? For oh, you? yes. Oh, yes. Uh, they had to to work hard every day, canning their food and washing and 
uh, washing diapers and and uh, yeah, it was a very hard life. Uh, I remember, and, and I've put this in the novel that I'm writing about that area. Um, my mom remembers washing uh, washing out diapers in the creek in January with snow and ice and and uh, having her hands break and bleed. Uh, so it was a very hard life. Well, now you uh, talk a little bit about yourself. Talk a little bit about that novel you're working on. Well, it started out, uh, I wanted to capture a lot of my grandfather's stories and some that he had, hadn't told people about uh, things that happened to him when he was uh, taking moonshine over the mountain from uh, Virginia to Kentucky to sell it in Jenkins, uh, and of course, uh, robbers would waylay him and try to steal his cash on the way back, and uh, so he was risking his life doing that, but he had to feed his family. Uh, so it started out, I just wanted to tell those stories and capture them for our family, because uh, now I've probably got, there's probably 500 in our family with all the second and third cousins and whatnot, um, I wanted them to know about Grandpa, and uh, most of them don't even know that uh, his father was sheriff of Dickinson County and captain of the Virginia militia many, many years ago. And I wanted them to know these stories, but the book took a life of its own and uh, took off and became fiction, so now it's a fictional novel, and... uh, uh, I'm almost done with it. I like a few chapters, um, but it's kind of been a, a life work for me. I started it 30 years ago writing down stories, and uh, finally I think it's coming together. Well, that's interesting yeah. because you're writing about what you know, and you know, I right. think, uh, you certainly know a lot, and you've lived an interesting life, and, and you, you went on and got educated. How did you work that out for yourself? Well, I love school, mm-hmm. and in fact, school was the only thing I was ever good at. <laughs> so uh, I, I ended up staying in school and becoming a teacher uh, because of that. Uh, school was my life. Learning, I still love to learn. I, um, I'm working on a nonfiction research book now about cosmology. So I, I've usually gotten my hand in several different projects uh, but uh about co- did you love say, learning did you say cosmology you're working on yeah uh the uh, cosmology the creation of the world and the, the uh, mythology of how the world was created and the different catastrophes uh, that we've had like the ice age and uh and things i i got into it because of 2012 and started realizing that and I teach some uh, mythology, and I teach American Indian literature, too, because I'm part American Indian, and uh, I found that the the old mythology was very similar. And so I've been researching that, and it's fascinating to me. Um, so the, uh, when you're saying, you're saying uh, the old myths then, right? And, and Right. As in Joseph Campbell, do you ever read any of his works? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got a couple of his books on my shelf over there. Uh, yeah. He talks about the power of myth in our storytelling and, and our thoughts. Do you know that? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not... Uh, uh, yeah. I have a friend's really in, into 
Joseph Campbell. Well, I want to talk with you now some more about your poetry, and I'm sure you've got some more poems there to read for us. And we're talk- okay. talking with um, Delilah O'Haines over in West Virginia today. Go for it, Delilah. Okay, I'll read you a poem about my mother. Uh, like I said, I like to capture people and uh, in words on paper so that I can remember them and and uh, share them with other people that way. And in this poem, uh, it's called Biscuits. Uh, we often remember people associated with food. And my mother was such a good cook. Uh, I remember her at the stove more than any other place. So this is about her. So much of you remains baked into biscuits, fluffy white perfections you kneaded in a bowl of flour, choked off, placed on a charred pan, and topped with cow butter from your chip churn. Glorter about crusty cornbread, lingering in its sweetness, the softness of its inside, the crunchy bottom. I hear your chatter in the sizzle of gravy in the cast iron skillet scrape of a metal spoon against the sides, brown gravy, gritty cornmeal gravy, creamy smooth chocolate gravy. You swim in gallons of sassafras tea, its burgundy root simmering sweet in the pot, in steamy bowls of vegetable soup, spiked with red-hot peppers that burn my tongue and pop sweat on my brow, in huge kettles of soup beans, Sorted, soaked all night, simmered all day on the cook stove. Every chance I get, I smother a homemade biscuit with sweet, creamy butter and gobble you down. Mm-hmm. And did you mention a little apple butter there, too, Delilah? Did no, you? Mom never made apple butter, so I didn't put that in. Um, well, my grandma... I know a lot of people did back then, but... Um, we didn't have one of those great big uh, pots. <laughs> well, so you didn't, okay, but you know, my grandmother, we would always put it on the side with gravy and biscuits, so we would eat it that way. But you know, these, um, we're talking with Delilah Haynes today, and you know, uh, our program, uh, these archives are being stored down at Chapel Hill at the Southern Folklife Archives in the Wilson Library, and we're very honored to have those, and that's one reason I like to get some of the southern culture on here could you describe a little bit more now you talked about the biscuits what what else would you eat during uh, uh, what else would your grandmother make that you can you recall well gosh uh, how about green beans huh? onions and cornbread oh yeah oh yeah um we used to grow uh, lettuce and and onions and uh we would uh they used to call it uh Killing it with hot grease. Some people use bacon grease. We use any kind of grease, and some people put bacon chips in it. And uh, you would kill it with hot grease. You'd get the uh, grease hot enough that it was smoking, and uh, pour it over the the lettuce or greens and onions, and then eat it with some fresh cornbread out of the oven. Well, I'm getting hungry. How about some apple pie? What would you have for dessert very quickly? Oh, yeah, uh, all kinds of pies. My mother made her own crusts, and I remember all of her pies, especially her huckleberry pies. We used to mm. go 
uh, huckleberry picking uh, every summer up in the mountains, wild huckleberries, and we would get huckleberry pie, and my dad would take the, the leavings of the, the rough huckleberry stuff that we were throwing away and make wine out of it. Out of it. But uh, I, I can still taste her huckleberry pie. It's better than any blueberry pie that you'll, you know, uh, get today. All right. Well, I'm going to have to check into that. And we, we certainly share some commonalities. And I've always enjoyed uh, hearing you read down at the train station. You know, you drive over and we get together there some. But now I'm going to move mm-hmm. along here and move back to how many books and uh, talk a little bit about what else you've written. How many books have you written? Well, uh, I've got a, a little novel called Hometown Folks. And it's real stories that I collected over the years of different people that I put together in one book uh, told by a male narrator who is actually a real person. Uh, he died of cancer a couple of years ago. He's a real good friend of mine. And I asked him if I could borrow his voice because he had such an authentic West Virginia voice. And uh, he t- it kind of it tells his life along with the stories that I collected. I, I just w- w- wove them all together. And uh, I've got another book of poetry that I, I give to um, women's shelters and uh, safe houses and things. It's about uh, domestic violence, and it's called Rise, Woman, Rise, um, for uh, victims of rape and abuse and of that type. Wow. I've got a nonfiction book about my cancer experience. I had uh, breast cancer, and that's called uh, Walk Free from Fear of Cancer. And let's see. Uh, well, I'm going inter- uh, to yeah. go ahead. I'm, I want to interrupt you because I want to get you back into your poetry. Do you have a couple okay. more poems for us today? Yeah, okay. I'll read another favorite that uh, everybody loves. Uh, one of my best memories is uh, getting together with uh, other fam- other mom's family. She had so many sisters and brothers, and they had kids. And we had a reunion every year, and uh, the kids would come to our house, and uh, there were so many that we, we had to pile up in beds and sleep together. Mm-hmm. And it uh, sounds terrible, but uh, I love those memories sure. of all of us kids being together and and uh, sleeping together, and, and uh, they would put us all, all the yeah. girls together in one sure. room, and uh, the couple of the of the women folk would sleep in there to keep a tight mischief. So this is called Warmth of Women. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Sleepovers with all us cousins and aunts, brothers and sisters piled into iron beds in small rooms. So many hours I lay squeezed between Mama and Aunt London in summer heat, feeling moisture rise from blood-hot bodies listening to the moan of a distant coal train, breathing warm, exhaled air. For as many hours, I lay pressed under Mama and Grandma in Grandma's sagging feather bed, buried beneath their weight with five quilts they stitched by hand, sinking down and down into that feather oven in a room so cold I could see their labored breaths. Warmth of women soaks to bone and lasts a lifetime. 
That's a beautiful, wow, this just takes me back to the mountains and my growing up also. And you captured that so beautifully. We have time, maybe one more poem, Delilah. Do you have one more for us there? Indulge us with this. Taking okay. Um, we're, we're, I'll read one about my dad. He was uh, uh, a drinker. He was in World War II and had PTSD, but he was also a coal miner. And uh, they lived pretty hard, and they drank hard. All right. And so this poem is about him. Um, it's called Irish Eyes. Old Spice, sweet and summer air. From the porch swing, I watch you back down the dirt drive, whistling. My eyes have seen the glory. I imagine heads turning as you enter the party, red curls brushing low ceiling, straight teeth gleaming, blue eyes dancing. Women smile. Men give you whiskey till your smile becomes a laugh, booming up and down the holler. You win the rod and reel at Rook. Then you take some of the boys for a ride in your new GMC truck. You traded for the Ford whose engine you blew racing up Camp Creek. Cheeks crimson with laughter. You take bets as you swerve around John Henry's old international. Swerve back just before the river curve. Midnight. I hear your baritone voice before the whine of the engine dies. Bounding out of bed on Hound Dog, I wait for you behind the door. You rub my head sore and pinch Mama on the rump, ignoring her flashing eyes. Have you caught any rabbits, woman? Are you a friend of mine? Tomorrow, Sunday, when the sun is high, you'll put the truck up on the rack, grease it, though it doesn't need greasing. I'll stand by the toolbox, hand you grease gun wrench, offer to watch, wash the new truck just for a look from those bonny blue eyes. Oh, another beautiful poem that Delilah O'Haines is sharing with us from over in West Virginia on Poets and Writers today. And thank you so much. We're down to about a short time now. Any closing thoughts here, Delilah O'Haines, and just wonderful poetry, and, and we'll have to do this again. Any closing thoughts? Well, uh, I'd like to encourage all those budding Appalachian writers there to come to the uh, Appalachian Authors Guild uh, conference in June at Southwest Virginia Community College if they're anywhere in the area. Uh, It's a great place to get together with other Appalachian writers and get encouraged and and, uh, write and find places to send writing and and I encourage everybody to keep writing and don't let anybody tell you I had a professor once who told me I'd never be a poet. (laughs) There you go. And you've certainly proven on Poets and Writers today that you're certainly a grand poet. I thank you so much for sharing this with us today. This is Henry McCarthy and uh, Delilah O'Haines. Thank you for being on the program. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Do not wait up for me. Thanks again for listening.